You're listening to Rebel Radio. Do dope shit. So you're in the future. You're in the future. How's how's life been in the last uh, eight, nine hours? Eight hours? No, seven hours. We're, we're a seven hour oh, difference. You have a good day ahead of you. Good, perfect. Ahead of you. you got some stuff to look forward to oh, well sun shining here which is nice that's a plus but it's it's bloody cold what's the temperature like there at the moment uh it's cold uh, <laughs> uh let's see what is it it is a negative one celsius oh my good god that's it's cold um now do you do you go fahrenheit or celsius celsius and then do you do all your um your weight selection in kilogram yes and your distance in meters and centimeters. Yes. So it's funny because I'm a bit of both. I'm I'm a bit of metric and I'm a little bit of imperial. Is it imperial? Yeah. Imperial, yes. Um, right. So like for my weight selection, I'm always in pounds because I can visualize it better than kilograms. And it makes me feel stronger when I say pounds versus kilograms. <laughs> it does. It does. You know that whenever I've competed over in the US the intimidation factor has been a thousand percent more because I'm suddenly lifting so much more weight. It's right? so ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but then for temperature, I'm like, it's Celsius because it just makes better sense. Like zero degrees is like baseline. It's super cold. And then anything below zero is fucking really cold. And then anything above, it's like, oh, it's getting warm. It just makes better sense. But uh, is that just you or what metric do they use in Canada? So we're, we're, we're typically Celsius here in Canada, but, but because we're border city with uh, Michigan, we have a lot of influence from the States. So like a lot of the people in Windsor will do a lot of like Fahrenheit for that, you know? Um, So tell me what's going on in your world. Um, You know, like, and we're just going to shoot the shit here. Like I I don't have anything planned. We're just going to talk about whatever comes into our brains. I think that's like a better conversation than like me having a bunch of questions. Um, But I kind of want to get to know your story a little bit more because we we only touched about it uh, a little bit um, last week. And I I think our audience would kind of want to know how you went from gym owner, but like powerlifting gym owner, but then into like a full online company that is thriving right now so i kind of want to just kind of like talk about that as the general basis but then like there's going to be some ins and outs that we probably uncover throughout that right yeah absolutely so i think i've been in a very similar position to most people where covid just shut down the entire industry and we kind of had to think on our feet you know in the beginning of covid we had a choice we were either going to sit back and wait for the government to define our futures or act straight away. And I'm definitely one of these people who I can't sit around and wait for shit to happen. And I was just living in the fear that, you know, this could be the end of my business. This could be the end of the seven years that I put into my facility. We had just expanded our facility. We had invested in another, um, I can't remember what it was, another an extra six or 700 square meters that we we're going to bring in a coffee shop and a little mini health bar into, into the gym. Um, and we were shut down literally within a month of our architects drawing up the plans. Big dreams, you know, the big, the big dream for anyone who owns a facility is that constant growth. You know, we're always thinking about growing the size of our facility where I've now learned that the focus needs to be on scaling the size of your business. And this is obviously something I learned, uh, you know, turning onto the, the online world. The night that that gym went, uh, the night that South Africa went into lockdown, 
I got home, I opened a bottle of wine, I sat at my dinner table with my ex-husband and we said, well, what the fuck are we going to do? What are we going to do? We cannot expect our uh, clients to constantly pay us for a facility that's closed and God knows how long it's going to be closed for. And we made the decision then and there on the 26th of March that we're going to invest in some um, international business coaches on how to turn our model into an online business. And I think anybody who owns a facility and anyone who, who's been in the industry knows the potential of online trading. It's massive, you know, and mm. us as South Africans, we are 10 years behind the rest of the world when it comes to anything. Our education in fitness and strength alone is 10 years behind. Now, I as a powerlifter have been with my coach, uh, Sebastian Oreb, who's based out in Australia. He's been coaching me for five years. And Sebastian's taken me to five world championship powerlifting meets. Um, I've probably done over 15 meets with him very successfully. And I have never spoken to him on the phone. Isn't that crazy? Never, it's crazy. That, and I looked at that and I was like, this potential is huge. Obviously, we knew that it was huge, but to actually start acting on it and tapping into it. And I looked at him and I looked at the success of his business and his business model. And the business model is really simple and clear cut. And it's easily doable if, you know, you've spent the time in the in the gutter, like we have, starting from the bottom, working one-on-one -on -one with all sorts of populations. And when you got to our point where we 12 to 15 years in the industry, transferring to an online space is not hard for us to do our job. Hmm. It's hard for us to create the business space uh, or to grow the business within it. And I think as facility owners, we didn't invest enough time into growing our online presence because we spend so much time investing in our facilities, so much time investing in our clientele, so much time in that everyday space. You're opening that gym, you yourself know. I was opening our gym at quarter to five in the morning. I was there till seven o'clock at night. When the fuck was I going to come home and start focusing on my online business? I know. You know, one or two hours of a day were focused on working on the business was not enough to launch an online, uh, an online business. When we changed our mindsets and we're forced into this position where we need to spend more time working on the business and less time in the business is when everything changed for us. And I think COVID gave us that huge opportunity. We invested in, like I said, those international coaches to take our business online. And now 18 months later, our tiny little facility that was here on the East Coast of South Africa is now servicing 14 different countries around the world. I've got athletes based on every continent. It's been an incredible experience. It's still scary because the business is still very new, but the possibilities are just endless. So you said so much stuff here that resonates with me, but then I'm Sorry. sure with a lot of the owners that are listening to this because we, like, we were shut down without any warning. And you said something that really sparked something that, that I can relate to is like you talked about uh, about to do like a 700 square meter part of your, of your gym, which what is that in square feet? Cause square meters to me seems crazy. Again, that's the Imperial metric anyways. But, but like but my point is that we, we put so much investment into our physical location to our member experience, which is needed because it creates that vibe that we want to create in our facility, but like it doesn't exponentially grow and scale your business to making more money without adding more work to your workload. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Look, that facility is the place to grow your culture. Mm. And that's so important. That's so absolutely important. So I think it's such a huge necessity.
but what happens in a facility? Do you just keep expanding your walls and filling up more people? And what's the next step from there? I think it's essential to have the bricks and mortar, but the online space, like I said, the ability to scale is just endless. Yeah. Well, and I, and I always talk about this, like in my other podcasts and, and ones that I've been a uh, guest on is that like you build your, and you said it perfectly, you build your culture in your brick and mortar facility. And then you can take that culture that you've built, or I, I call it a brand, really, you take yeah. that brand and then you put it online. And now you'll start to see that people that resonated with you locally, that's one thing, but then you're going to see a whole different um, um, sort of society and population that, that resonate with you globally. And then that's when you start scaling your business saying like, well, like I can impact more people globally because they resonate with my message and my brand and my culture and whatever it is that, that, that you provide. So it's a, it's a, it's an infinite opportunity, but the, 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 I think coaches and business owners that, that run in the fitness space are very, fearful of putting themselves out online a lot of coaches have this imposter syndrome right like even within their own local community so like how did you say fuck it i'm going to go all into this and 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 not worry about the haters and shit like did you ever worry about that stuff absolutely it's a very difficult place to be in and i'll be honest as a strength and conditioning a female strength and conditioning coach in south africa with the majority of my clientele being men, strength athletes from powerlifting to strongman, it was a very, very hard industry for me to break into. It was very, very hard to earn the respect of men to get a 52 kg powerlifter to coach a competitive strongman at you know, an, an all-African event. It took a long time for me to get that. But with that experience from building that resilience, to break through that, it made going online a lot easier for me because I'd learned to speak a language that I had to do so much one-on-one -on -one locally trying to break into the sphere here locally that by the time it got to online I was almost so well rehearsed and confident in what I was doing and yes I suffer with imposter syndrome all the time you know I listen to these coaches talking I listen to to Jordan and to Killian and I suddenly feel like I know nothing I thought I had a pretty good base of knowledge and then I started listening to them and I realized how little I know. But isn't it true about the more you learn, the less you know? Absolutely. And yeah. So with regard to the imposter syndrome and speaking my language online, of course I had it. But you have to just be confident in what you're selling. you got to be confident in what you do. And I'm one of those coaches that really just let my, my athletes do the talking for me. So I don't ever say too much in my online space. You know, I like to advertise my, my athletes' performances. I like to, to showcase what they're doing. And I think one of the big reasons I do that is when you're looking for a coach, if you're an athlete, and because I only purely work with performance athletes, I'm definitely not, when I chose my coach anyways, I wasn't looking at what my coach could do as an athlete. Yes, Sebastian Arab is a phenomenal powerlifter, but I didn't care how much Sebastian could squat. I wanted to know what he could do for other women who were 52, 56, 60 kilos. So for me, I took that. I really have used him as a, a, an inspiration. He's been a mentor to me in business and in coaching. And that for me sells everything, you know, to see what his athletes are doing. And that's what I want to portray because my athletes have been highly successful in each of their, their fields that I don't really need to talk. Mm -hmm. I let their performances do the talking for me. 
it's funny, right? Because like you could go the other route, which is showing your physique, showing your body, doing what every social media influencer does to promote their programs. Or you could do it in a way that can impact real people, right? If you want to work with real people that have real lives and real goals and just realness, um, like it's always optimal to showcase what you can do for them than like how good you look by eating zero carbs, taking a photo shoot and, and then, you know, Photoshopping it. Like, yeah, we can do that. That's part of, of the, of the vibe, but it can't be everything you do with your business. Um, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, so, so like, take me back to your facility. Like what type of training were you doing back then in your facility? And has it changed if it does, if it did with your training now with your online clientele, like, were you also training powerlifters and, and competitors then, or was it more like a gen pop? So when I opened my facility back in 2013, in the city that I lived in, there was no strength facilities that really bred brute raw strength. There was no space where someone like me who was very interested in grip training, someone like me that was interested in raw barbell work and, um, you know, the old school training methodologies was something that I was introduced to very young and very early on in my career. And my city didn't have that. And I felt that we needed it. We needed to, I wanted, I was obsessed with powerlifting and I wanted to establish a strength gym. We only have commercial gyms in our facility. I mean, in our city at the time. So that's what kind of motivated my, um, the idea behind my gym. So from the day that I opened, we were very much strength and conditioning specific, old school, like I said, Thomas Inch Bell's grip strength. That was a major focus in the facility when we opened it. And we were unique because there was nothing else in Durban like it at the time. So, so now, I, no, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, finish. Okay, so obviously when I took my business online, that was what I know, that is my niche. You know, I could easily just reach out to what the rest of the fitness industry is doing and try to tap into fat loss and fitness and all the fluffy things that people are doing because there's money in it. But what I know in the language I speak is raw strength training. And I felt that I could either find a niche market. And it's so funny because when I started coaching powerlifting specifically in 2013, People said to me, are you mad? You are never going to make a living being a powerlifting coach. There is probably a hundred athletes in the entire country interested in the sport. But I was so passionate about what I was doing and I believed so much in the sport and what it could do to change people's lives. Um, you know, I'm a recovered drug addict and strength training and powerlifting changed my life so much that I felt that this could do so much for so many more people, but people are not educated. They're not aware. They just don't know about the sport. So I took that and that's how I've made a big success out of my powerlifting coaching locally anyways. Hmm. And that's so huge because, you know, like while you work with competitive athletes in powerlifting and how that can impact their own life, I'm sure you also see it when you use powerlifting as a means to help general populations get out of the funk of like always chasing fat loss, always being on like five year of a, of a diet, always trying to lose weight. Like it's a very toxic environment that can, especially if you, if you work in like a commercial gym, 
or if you work out in a commercial gym. So I don't know if you can hear that. The the garbage man is is picking up our our, our garbage, and I don't know if you can hear that on, on the cast. Um, but what I was saying is like if you work out in a commercial gym, and if you um, follow Instagram uh, pages that are all about fat loss and shredded and all that stuff, it can be a very toxic environment. So w- when you introduced powerlifting in your facility, did you find that you were also getting a lot of Gen Pop coming in to dabble in strength training? There was so much interest because obviously initially when a woman, especially a woman, when a woman joins a gym, she joins because she wants to be in better shape. She wants fat loss, et cetera, et cetera. But being surrounded by women that are lifting weights and seeing their bodies transform, you know, something I always say to, you know, back then when I was still dealing with gen pop clients is that as soon as you start focusing on what your body's able to do, and it's going to sound like such a cliche, but rather focus on what your body's able to do than what then what your aesthetic goals are you immediately the change just happens so much faster when you're chasing the ability to do a pull-up or chasing the ability to pull you know a 60 kilo deadlift for a woman who's never lifted weights their focus shifts their mindset shifts their goals shift and then everything starts to piece together because now they're starting to feel their performance so their nutrition takes a bit of a different route because they want to be able to fuel their training session as opposed to coming into a training session fasted because they're trying to lose body fat. And then they see that body fat drop, that lean muscle mass um, grow. And it's, it's just incredible how I've seen the mindset of women change specifically. That is such a huge, I wish you could repeat that for the listeners because like if you're listening to that, rewind this and, and listen to that again, because that couldn't be more true. And it's one thing that I try to educate my gen pop with, right? Because I, I only train gen pop, specifically mostly women. And I try to get them focused on performance outcomes and performance measures to drive their fat loss and their and their quote unquote muscle toning because you need to build muscle, you need to build strength, you need to drop body fat if you're going to do a pull-up, if you want to deadlift or squat heavy, right? Like like those those, those changes happen quickly instead of chasing you know burning a thousand calories in a fasted state during this high intensity workout which probably doesn't do much other than get your heart healthy right you're doing general cardio it's not impacting what you really want to impact which is your muscle building and your strength building which is what allows you to get that body recomposition that people are sort of desperately seeking everyone's chasing the wrong thing or it's almost like in business right like if you're chasing the money you end up having a really shit business because you're not focused on what makes your business really great and i think that that implies everything in life like everything in life it pretty much has that golden rule that i think we should live by it's like do things that are meaningful and good things are going to come out of of it you know what i mean um so that's a really another thing and it's going to sound like another it's such a big buzzword at the moment but mental wellness and what you see people overcome through chasing a performance goal and how it changes their mindsets how positive it makes their their outlook on life as opposed to when you're chasing an aesthetic goal I notice that the mindset of people becomes a lot more dreary maybe a lot more negative as opposed to chasing that performance goal when you're chasing a performance goal, it's almost like, you know, that serotonin and dopamine is constantly being released in the gym. They're constantly more motivated, more positive. They start to become more confident. So there's also that mental wellness aspect that comes from lifting weights and chasing performance goals. And like I said, it's such a buzzword at the moment, but there's so much truth behind it. This is, man, like th- these are 
good golden nuggets that we're uncovering here because like people need to need to speak about this a lot more like, like you are because what, what, I, what I've also been finding is um, and this is a general blanket statement but like I, I because I speak to a lot of people and people confide in me like I, I get a lot of different angles from people's mental wellness but like what, what I've been experiencing is people that are chasing fat loss or or um, or are dieting or want to get shredded they're they're almost like you said, they're very dreary and negative. Like they don't want to go to the gym anymore. They, they're, they're exhausted. It's like, I had to force myself. And like, they're playing this martyr um, type of mentality where it's like, I know I want this goal. So, you know, I have to suck it up and do it. And I'm like, man, like that's not healthy. That is not a good, out yeah. Like sometimes we have to push ourselves. I get that. But if you're always asking yourself, I got to go to the gym today, but I don't want to go. I have to wake up earlier. I have to go after work. It's like, if you're not driven and excited to go to the gym and smash your, your deadlift PR, then you maybe have to rethink the way, the way you approach your training. You know what I mean? Yes, no, absolutely. It's, it's like, it's like chasing their goals becomes forced upon them. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. You know, you set this, you set these goals out for yourself. I want to lose 10 kilos, whatever the case is, but everything is just so difficult and so negative surrounding facing that goal, you know, having to get up in the morning, having to get your training shoes on and actually get to the gym and have your protein shake and get home and eat good nutrition meals. It's just such an effort behind it, such an effort behind that, that association where when the association becomes performance orientated. There's almost an excitement and a zest for training, a zest for life. You want to do it. And I think that's the approach you should have uh, with any form of exercise, whether you, it's for performance or just for your, your own fitness levels. You yeah. know, that's how you're feeling about it. You're fortunate enough to be in a position where you can get up and you can move. And it sounds so cliche, but it's true. Uh, I, I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and share a story about a client success that um, she'll be totally fine with because she loves getting shout outs. But uh, so a client of mine, her name is Rosemary, big shout out to Rosemary. Um, she's middle-aged woman has fat loss goals, like every other woman. And she's been with me now working with me going on like three years now, which is like legit. Right. And so she started with, at me with like basic weight loss goals and she's lost a ton of weight and, and I can't be, it's not my success because she's the one that, changed her lifestyle, right? All, all I did was create the safe environment for her to sort of learn about herself in the fitness space. But like, I didn't give her the dieting. I didn't give her the nutrition that was on her own. So like great success on that part. But now that she's nearing her, her goal weight and she's, um, sort of, you know, looking to get other fitness goals. Um, I'm noticing that I'm shifting her mindset towards performance measures, especially now with, with, with the way I've kind of rebranded the business. I'm really focused on teaching general population how to strength train correctly, not in a boot camp setting, not in a high intensity, like, like pure weight training. And uh, she's not one to post any videos or take videos of herself lifting, but I encourage all my clients to take videos of themselves when they're lifting barbell deadlift, a squat, a bench press, so they can see what they're doing wrong and how they can improve and to share it with me. And during our coaching calls, we, we discuss that stuff. So all this big story to tell you that she's been implementing what I've been telling her to do, which is taking video. She books her weekly coaching calls with me. We go over her video critique. 
And every time I see her send me a video, she's getting better and better and better with her technique. And I asked her yesterday, I go, I go, how do you feel now? She's like, I'm excited. Like I could tell her face from like a year ago to now has shifted completely. Instead of her being, like you said, dreary and negative and fatigued and exhausted and just kind of like frustrated with the weight loss thing. She's now saying it's fun. I'm excited to go to the gym now and guaranteed in a year from now, she's going to have a whole different outlook on fitness than when she started three years ago. And that to me is the biggest success that I could ever, um, um, find because yeah, like weight loss and muscle toning is one thing, but if I can get somebody to shift their outlook on fitness, fuck I've won. That mental switch. Yeah. That mental switch is what this business is all about for me personally. Seeing that change, that light go off, like, wow, that is real change. And every coach is looking for that, right? Every coach knows when it happens. Yeah. You can't explain it, but like you could just tell in the way they speak, in the way they look at you, in the way they, like, they, 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 they handle themselves. It's like, ah, I got to them. And you don't realize how much knowledge that we know and experience that we have, that every little nugget that we tell our clients is like, it's almost life-changing. It almost gives them like a big punch in the face saying like, Oh shit, like I didn't know that. And we take it for granted. We're like, Oh, they probably know that. I don't need to tell them, but like every little thing, every little nuance plays a big role in shaping who they are. I think. That's very true. That's very true. Sometimes we just talk and rattle off and we don't realize how much they're actually taking in and how much they walk away from a conversation with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now that I'm, I'm shifting online, which is a whole different beast and I'm very amateur when it comes to the online sort of coaching, but I'm trying to really um, take my time and how I choose my words and how I speak to somebody because it's not the face-to-face interaction that, that people um, need. It's, 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 it's a technology-based thing. And sometimes demeanor plays a big role. So I'm choosing how I form my sentences, how I speak and what tone I speak and what words I choose, because um, like that can also impact in a negative way. If you're that coach, that's like, do this, do this, do this, but then you don't share any other source of, of value with that. You know, communication is absolutely key. And, and like you said, and how you formulate a sentence when you're talking to someone online, because they could be reading it in a completely different breath to what you said it. So you've got to be, you've got to really think about things before you put them in black and white. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's shift focus because we've gone through like your gen pop um, or your facility uh, out in Durban. What, what got you into powerlifting and what, what made you say, uh, I, I need to chase this feeling of powerlifting? Like, like what, what inspires so that? I worked, um, I worked in a strength and conditioning facility. We work with a lot of MMA fighters, um, but my coach at the time, a guy by the name of uh, Terence Mitchell, we unfortunately lost him last year, but he introduced me to the world of strength. He introduced me to Louis Simmons and 531 and Jim Wendler and the rest of it, you know? So he kind of sparked this interest in that world for me. And the one movement he was always such a huge advocate of was the deadlift and he always said that the deadlift builds the most beautiful bodies now as a woman obviously when I first entered the gym I entered the gym with aesthetic goals and when we started working on a barbell at the time I was also recovering from cocaine addiction and what they say about an addict is that they need to shift their addiction into something else and this is what it became for me 
Anyway, so he started to build my deadlift up. I was squatting and benching very little, but it wasn't a main focus for me. I didn't even know what powerlifting was at the time. I was about 46 kilos, bearing in mind that I was, I was dedicated to cocaine, like next level dedicated to it. So I was walking around like a super skinny girl. I was about 46 kilos um, and I deadlifted 135 kilos in the gym one day, thinking that's just what girls my size do. Wow. And someone had seen it. Uh, he obviously put a video up on uh, Facebook or Instagram. I can't remember at the time. God damn, if you see that video and you see that deadlift now, oh my goodness, I have come a long way. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I pulled this weight and someone in the gym happens to say, wow, you know, that's quite impressive. You're a really small human. That's a big weight for a small girl. There's a powerlifting meet down on in the dodgiest part of Durban you could possibly imagine. Come down next weekend, take part. Uh, let's see what you can do. So I walk into this powerlifting meet. I had no idea what I was doing. I knew that I had to squat and bench press, but I had no idea what the rules were. I didn't know anything about the attempts. I was literally like a deer in headlights. I think I finished on an 80 kilo squat, uh, a 55 kilo bench press and a 140 deadlift. Which is still and impressive for somebody who never even considered attempts and, and, and ever been to a powerlifting meet. Because right? like a 140 kilo deadlift is what, near 300 pounds, isn't it? This yes, 46 kilos, body weight. Damn. So it was a big deadlift, but I just thought at the time that that's what people my size did. I had no expectation. And that deadlift broke the all African record here over in South Africa, obviously broke all the South African records. And I was competing in the GPC at the time and it broke, well, it was an unofficial GPC world record. And I was like, wow, you know, I didn't realize what I was doing. And that was it. I was absolutely hooked. And I went from there to where I am today. So that was the start of my powerlifting career. Um, yeah, it's crazy to that. So it's almost like you have a very special attachment to what fitness has done for you personally. And it's 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 given you such a different outlook and perspective on life that that you're grateful for every day. And even just like from talking to you for the last couple of weeks or a month, I, I could sense that you're every day you're grateful for what you do because of how it shifted your outlook and 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 perspective on life. Now is that why is that why you're so driven to help others find that I, impact? Absolutely. You know, there's two things I'll say here. Firstly, you know, I hold a number of European and South African and federational world records within the sports, they really don't mean anything to me. In the, I mean, I'm not sounding ungrateful here, but what each and every one of them mean to me personally is the distance in which I've separated myself from that person that I used to be, which is huge. So, you know, every time I break a record, it reminds me where I was and how far I've come. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that what I've learned about powerlifting is that it really attracts the type of person who comes from a struggle in some sense. You know, powerlifting is hard. It is not an easy sport. It takes resilience. It takes mental resolve. And it takes a certain type of person to be able to get through that mundane and boring training day in and day out. 
I added 2.5 kilos to my deadlift over 18 months. Now that is a tiny increment to anybody who understands weight. It's a lot of hard work for 2.5 kilos, but it's people that are accustomed to a struggle that take to sports like powerlifting. And I find that it's helped because of my background and my story, the type of people that I've personally attracted to the sport are those people, not necessarily all recovering drug addicts, but people that have been through hard times because it's a, it serves as a reminder to them about the mental strength that it's taken for them to achieve what they do in the sport has just built more resilience and more resolve to help them get through their everyday struggles. And it is something that I truly believe so strongly in because of what it's done for me personally and, you know, the hundreds of people that I've coached over the years. I love that, you know, and like we, we, we can debate all day as an industry to say, what's the better exercise to build your glutes and, you know, should you squat if you want to build your quad, like, like we can debate all day, but if there's one thing that, that wins all debates outside of like what exercise is best for building your body is that at the root of it all, at least what I'm chasing, and I'm sure this is what you're chasing is even though powerlifting may not be the best means or the most optimal means to do certain things with your fitness aesthetics or whatever, it brings on that, that mindset that makes you feel fucking unstoppable. And it's that mindset that people need to adopt if they want to transform any part of their life. So I think like powerlifting, strength training, or training sport as a, as a whole is what gets people the results that they're looking for. Yes. Is it optimal? Probably not, but like just lift some fucking heavy load and your body's going to adapt. You know what I mean? No, definitely nail on the head. Um, Absolutely. Like, and that, and that's such a, go ahead. With, with, with powerlifting, the movements are really easy. They easy. Well, I say that as a, a technique specialist in a sense that they're not easy, but they are, you know, teaching something like a clean and jerk and the snatch is not something you're going to teach to Susan from accounts, but the deadlift, the squats and the bench press, pretty basic movements to learn very hard to screw up once you nail it and you start adding weight to the bar, you know, so they're great movements to teach general population. They're great movements that you can really excel in. And yes, if you're going to take powerlifting, uh, if you're going to get into powerlifting or sport, yes, you've got to then dial in on the little things, but basically they're just such great, simple movements to execute. And you can scale them to fit most people's um, bodies, right? Like you don't have to do the competition style lifts. You can scale it so that, you know, you can raise the deadlift off the floor a little bit. Like all these arbitrary things that the powerlifting federations do as rules doesn't really have to apply to gen pop. You can take those movements. So like, if you want to do a bench press, like I, I would prefer somebody that has shoulder issues, use a uh, Swiss bar if they're going to bench press. Right. So like th there's just so many ways to adapt powerlifting for the general population, you know, and this also goes where like, I think powerlifting also humbles people. So many people have this strong ego that they're trying to hold on to. And if you say, hey, like raise your deadlift off the floor to a gen pop, a lot of them, in my experience, will get offended and say, no, 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 I want to do it off the floor because that's what powerlifters do. And I'm like, it's a fucking arbitrary size of a, of a, of a plate. Like it doesn't mean anything, right? It doesn't mean if you're stronger. It just means that those are the rules that they uh, abide by, right? So it's funny how like weight training can 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 take someone's ego and almost like break it yeah no and definitely th and that's when people see like that shift in mindset yeah and i think what people also like about powerlifting it's 
it creates a bit of community and people love to be part of something. Mm. You know, like you'll know with your gym, people become obsessed with your brand and they want to be part of common because it makes them, it, it elevates their status. Yeah. And people are driven by status. So I find that with powerlifting as well. And if that's your reason, because you want to feel part of a community or a culture, that's incredible. Do it. You know, no one should be judged for making those choices. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent on that. Right. And that's what makes our job so special, right? Like, I don't think there's that many career choices that can impact this many people in such a, um, simple way. And I say simple as a, as a means to not know what, what other term to use, right? It's not easy to impact, but it's a very simple process. Once you define what your community, what your brand, what you stand for is, you know? Um, so now, want to be part of, you know, one of the, yeah. the biggest things I've learned with the whole, you know, transitioning business online and having a culture is the one thing you really want to do as a brand is create super fans. Because when you create super fans, those are the people who are constantly investing in you. And the more super fans you have, the more people you have investing, the more the brand grows, the more the culture grows, the more the language grows. You know, your brand and your culture is a language and you want a lot of people speaking and understanding your language. That's, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think you should, we, we should do another podcast on branding because like you have some golden nuggets here that are amazing that, that, that I'm also going to apply. Um, yeah, I'm not going to add anything to that because that was perfect the way you said it. Um, so, so one thing that I want to talk about now, and, and this is where we're going to sort of end off is there was one thing that caught my eye in one of your Instagram stories. And it, it was something about like you wanting to become a ghost. And, and so like here at Common and Rebel Radio and what we talk about is like, like chasing our meaningful pursuit and like really finding what makes us tick and vibe. Um, so explain and unpack what like becoming a ghost means for you. And like, where do you see yourself now going with your career and your life, right? Like more so your life and, and, and what's your meaningful pursuit now as you're an experienced powerlifter, you're a world record holder. Um, like, like what, what, what is it that you see yourself doing now? So just to explain that, that ghost statements, when you transition your business online and anybody who's running an online business knows how emotionally draining and demanding the social media space is, it's very difficult to constantly put yourself out there. And I find that, you know, there's two important things to know about social media. Number one, when you're making a post on Instagram, you're making that post with the goal in mind to acquire clients. So you get followers, every post you make, you, you know, you pick up so many followers. And with your stories, your stories are all, all about client engagement. So now you've bought the clients and now you want to engage with them. So you've got to constantly be generating content and constantly putting stuff out there. And what I've noticed is as a coach, as someone who deals with perform, uh, performance athletes, I can post stories about nutrition, training, nutrition, training, performance, athleticism. And then I'll post the story of me drinking a glass of wine or walking my dogs. And that is what gets the client's engagement. So people want to see that Lil Bianchi lives a normal life. She's a normal person. Yes, she has these athletes and she's a competitive athlete, but she walks her dogs. So what makes that difficult is that I've constantly got to put my life out there. And that can be difficult because I'm actually a really private person. 
And I don't want my personal life out there, but my business is based on my social media presence. And if I don't put myself out there, I stop acquiring clients. I stop acquiring clients, my income drops. I can't pay my coaches. There's, there's this huge drive behind every small post and every little thing. It's because it's my livelihood, but I'm tired. It is difficult. It is emotionally draining. I love it because it is fun. I do enjoy the creative side of it. But when you disappear, when I disappear, you will know that I've made it. And that's what I said that day, because I don't want to spend my life on my phone. I hate the fact that when I go out for dinner with my mates, I've got to spend the first five minutes filming my pizza because 30 people are going to inbox me and say, what pizza does Lil eat? Because Lil has 11% body fats and she's really strong. So they want to know what pizza I'm eating. But I have to do that because I need to engage with my clients. And like I said, it can be emotionally draining. And I absolutely love my followers. I would never, ever be where I am today without them. I'm so grateful for them. I love and engage with every single one of them. I, if you have to slide into my DMs and message me, I will reply to you because you are everything. My followers are everything to me. But it is difficult. And I would love to be in a position one day where I can just turn it off. Yeah. That, that's such a powerful thing, right? And when you said, when you don't hear from me, you know I've made it. And it's such a powerful, um, I think it's a powerful thing for you that drives your career forward, right? Like it, it, it keeps you always hungry for that next thing because you're not at that point yet. And you may never be at that point, right? Like, and I think that's what we have to realize as humans is you're never going to be at that point, whether it's weight loss, whether it's fat loss, whether it's, um, you know, uh, chasing your PRs with your powerlifting, like you're never going to feel fully satisfied. But what makes you whole and complete is that you're putting your best foot forward every time and you're chasing that, that, that drive, right? And like, that is such a cool, powerful statement to make because not many people put that much thought into the next part of their life, right? We just assume like, oh, little Bianchi's gonna retire, but like, no, you have to retire on your own terms. Like you have to retire off of your own income that you've made. Like you don't have government assistance that's gonna help you with your retirement, right? So like, I think you're in a special um, um, part of, of, of the world that like needs to always be driven to find their own success. You know, and I think that's what powerlifting also probably taught you as well, right? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult place to be in because you don't want to be in a position where you're working for the rest of your life. Obviously, you don't want to be working for the rest of your life. And I'm investing and I've got coaches who are working under me that I'm growing to take over, you know, my position one day so that my brand and my legacy can continue. But it's not as easy as just having your daughter or your son come in and take over your company. It's no. quite different than selling yourself. You know, social media is the devil. You are literally selling yourself all the time. But again, I'm not going to complain. I think I have an incredible job. Of course. And the fact that I have freedom of time and freedom of location, and I've got to make a couple of Instagram posts every now and again. Like, I'm not going to complain. I think <laughs> I'm really fortunate yeah. to be in the position that I am. And that's one thing that shifted me right now. It's so like, when I started this in 2012, or he, like, like I was like 24 when in 2012, uh, or going on 25, and I'm like, I'm gonna open up a gym. If it fails, big deal. I'm 25. I still live at home. I'm like, like I had no consequence. 
And then 10 years in, I'm 35. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't have a pension. I don't have um, like the means to, 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 to create a life when I'm 60, 70, 80. Who wants to live till 80? I don't know. We'll see. But like, so I'm like, oh, now I have to shift my focus onto building the brand so that it can create its own little world, right? Like I'm hoping one day that I can have a team under my belt like you do, where it's where now it's not just me, the face of the company. It's like the brand stands for itself, stands on its own. And we only employ those that have the same values to then create the legacy of what common can be, right? So like that was a big mental shift. And that mental shift is scary. And that's like, every time I talk about chasing fear, my biggest fear is not having the impact or not having a life to myself after the age of six, like, like who wants to train with a 60 year old? Maybe, I don't know. Right. Like I'm not Joe Rogan, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that guy, but so like now I'm, I'm thinking like, fuck, like I got to make something out of this. If I want to find happiness and freedom in, in, in the rest of my life. Right. Because while this creates our freedom, you're, you're almost a slave to the online. You're a slave to the social media. You're a slave to, to your job. And at what point can you say, all right, I've, I've done what I need to do so that I can have my freedom. We always talk about freedom, but like, do we ever get it? And that's my biggest fear right now is, is, and I'm chasing that fear because it's like, I feel something very visceral that comes out of this. I'm like, I got to chase that. So true that you said that now, and I think I said this to you last time we spoke, but you know, what do you define success as? And for me, it's freedom, freedom of time freedom of location that for me is success not having the amount you know not having x in your bank accounts but it's just it's having that that freedom yeah and i think i will always want to be involved in this in some capacity like like i don't see myself yeah like i don't see myself wanting to retire at the age of 65 like that like retirement to me just seems such an outdated antiquated way of thinking where it's like no i'm probably going to be 85 years old wearing my common t-shirt and my fucking Nikes and I'm going to be the coolest eight-year-old in the, in the world. Right. But like, it's very hard to like, think about that Yeah. when you're in your thirties, no, you know, sure. because it's an interesting way of, of looking at life. Yeah. I think you're going to be walking around that gym with your espresso proper nonno. Right. Your- like, and like, I hope so, because like, that's why we do the training, right? So like, yes, like we're going to go hard on the powerlifting. Yes, we're going to go hard with our strength training, but we also know how to be intelligent with our program so that we can be functional when we are 80, right? Like, like at the end of the day, you're not going to have your six pack when you're 80, but you're still going to be able to walk or you should be able to still walk. Great posture. Yeah. So like, I don't want to be that 80 year old with a walker i want to be that eight-year-old that can fucking skip and jump and and whatever right but but that, that that's a, a whole nother topic down the road yeah, you know man. it's a it's an interesting way of thinking it's almost like this existential way of thinking about it and, and you, need, you need to think about you need to think about that especially in our positions where you like me starting this this business well not starting you've been in it for many years but at the moment you are the face and everything of this business so it's bottlenecks and it bottlenecks at us and that's something that you want to try and change early on in your career so that's when you are 60 you can let go and you can disappear into the night and still have that money pumping into your accounts every month yeah like uh, 
I don't think I want to be 65 on my store saying, hey, hey guys, uh, just hear about you. Like, right? It'd be such a weird vibe. I mean, I might still do it. Who knows what 65 is going to look like in 30 years. Damn, 30 years. That's crazy. Um, right? But like, it, it might have a different outlook. Who knows? But um, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting topic to, to think about. Um, Lil, this was great. Um, if somebody wanted to work with you and, and find you online, like, like plug yourself, what do you want to know? Uh, or what do you want to let the listeners know about you and, 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 where, and where they can find you? The best place to find me is on Instagram and it's at lil underscore Bianchi underscore Kimball or my business handle is at OTG method. And awesome. those really are the best places to find me. And if somebody wants to work with you, they can send you a DM or do they go uh, on your website? slide right into my dms i have a website it's otgmethod.com so i'm easy to find um but uh, like i said just slide into my dms let's start a conversation let's talk about what you're looking for um and yeah we take it from there beautiful uh this has been a really great chat we've uncovered so much shit about ourselves and fitness and the industry as a whole uh, i really appreciate you coming in or coming on here and sharing your story with us uh, for everybody that listened or watched on YouTube, this might be on YouTube because it's a Zoom call. Um, you can listen to this in a couple of weeks. We are on Spotify and YouTube. You can find us at Rebel Radio every Thursday. I know in the first episode, I said every other Thursday, but I'm just too excited. I'm going to share this every week now with you guys. Um, I'm just that guy. I'm a hot-headed Italian that likes doing things fast. Uh, so you can catch us every Thursday on Spotify and YouTube, Rebel Radio on both. And uh, we will catch you on the next episode. Remember, much love, keep raging, peace.